all that she had. And in this box and in this vial was a fragrance, a very expensive fragrance. It would take a year's wage to come up with this fragrance. And most times in the Word of God and through coming together in betrothal, as the Word of God says, or matrimony and marriage, the young lady would present this fragrance to the man that she was going to be courting with. And I love that in the Scriptures, and I'll be identifying some of them in Matthew, Mark, and John this morning. That it says that she came before Jesus Christ. She opened up a box. She poured out that vial. And it says that she didn't just pour it on his feet, that she anointed his head. She identified that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. She also identified that he was coming to die for mankind. So I ask you this question this morning. If you were to be broken and spilled out, if your life was to be broken, your life has been in ruins, and God said, because of your brokenness, I will give you a blessing, would you give him all you have? Here's a story about being broken and spilled out. She gave all she had, and yet Jesus Christ went to the cross and gave all he had. One day a plain village woman Driven by love for her Lord, recklessly poured out a valuable essence, disregarding the scorn. And once it was broken and spilled out. The fragrance filled all the room Like a prisoner released from his shackles Like a spirit set free from the tomb Just for love of you, Jesus, my most precious treasure, lavished on thee, broken and spent.
precious treasure his love and his own perfect son Just for love, it was done. And though you were perfect and holy, you gave up yourself willingly. You spared no expense for my Hello. Well, praise the Lord. I, uh, could somebody please be so kind? This has never happened in the history of this church. I told you God's in for all kinds of surprises this morning. My message is not in my binder. I think it's on my desk, in my office. Can you do something about these? Turn me up here. Turn me down in the mains. I sound like I'm... Uh, 
need to be on radio. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Circus, I'm telling you. And uh, I love the sound, but bring me down in the monitors just a little bit, if you would, please. This morning, I want to talk to you about brokenness into blessing. I told the men in our discipleship class, I said, I don't know what God has in store for me this morning. Well, I guess I don't for real. As I look up and I'm like, my notes are gone. And I was looking over them this morning in my office and praying. Thank you, sir. Appreciate that, Ron. And uh, they were down there. But anyhow, I, I want to, first of all, start off by saying this. When you're broken... You have nothing left. You're at the lowest point of your life. You're discouraged. You're depressed. You have nothing left to give. Pastor, I've never been in a place like that. In the Word of God, it talks about being broken. Being spilled out, being used up. And every time someone is broken, God comes in and then he can use that person because they've been in a place of pride, of self-centeredness. Instead of saying, God, you're my focus. You're going to be my focus, my target, my everything. And yet divorce, addictions, disappointment all comes with brokenness. We go into a season, and I'm talking about from brokenness into a blessing. And I have to say that as I've been studying the Word of God and looking at, you know, the different situations throughout the Word of God about people being broke, it really has motivated me to think, you know what, Todd? Quit having a pity party for yourself. God has something in store for you. Let's, get, let's put it out there like this. Here's a, here's a simple little illustration. If you go to work and you're a welder and you burn yourself, you learn your lesson. Or it's a mistake you've made, but yet you've learned your lesson. And so hopefully you won't burn yourself again. In relationships, you say, well, I understand what my wife is expecting from me. I know what my husband is expecting from me. And therefore, because of... My disagreement, the place we were at, what we went through is a place of brokenness. I now know I never want to go back there again. Amen? There's healing that comes through some of that. How many of you would say communication helps? Communication does. How can we ever get better if we never communicate with the Father? How can we ever get better and receive the blessings of the Father if we never communicate to Him, if we never go to Him on our behalf? Do you know that, here's a statistic, one out of every four Americans is suffering from some sort of mental illness. Which means what? It means, out of that, think of this, three of your best friends if they're okay, then it's probably you. That's a pondering thought. Truth be told, all of us are broken in some way, aren't we? All of us. It's just that only a few of us are willing to do what? Admit it. 
Many of us wear masks that hide our brokenness, hoping nobody else will notice. We pay attention to our outward appearances, hoping nobody really sees what's on the inside, but that it only keeps us from experiencing true happiness and joy. Lord, I want to be broken and spilled out and used up for you. We live a Christian life, or some say we live a Christian life, but our lifestyle does not exhibit Christ's likeness because, in many cases, we've allowed the brokenness to control and to manipulate and to dictate our future. So this morning, there is a blessing in brokenness. If we can just admit we're broken, and probably some of you are saying, Pastor Todd, the What possible blessing can come from my brokenness? What can be the good that comes from acknowledging the hurt, the pain, and the darkness that's deep down in my soul? We know the old rhyme, Humpty Dumpty sat on the wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great... And all the king's horses and all the king's men could not put... I remember years ago, I preached a message on Humpty Dumpty. And uh, when I put this little rhyme in there, I thought, I remember, Luke, you found the greatest picture of Humpty Dumpty on the wall, and he had cracks all over him, you know. But yet God puts us back together. He can take our brokenness and turn it into a blessing. How many of you today can say, this week I face disappointment with an amen? Or no, no. <laughs> Some of us don't like to face disappointment. It is hard. It's difficult. Yet, all of us do. We all face disappointment in our lives. Before I go to the Lord in prayer, I want to just bring up to you two points this morning. Let God break us of our self-sufficiency and let God break us of our sin. And this morning, I don't know how this is all going to come out. I actually was, was sharing, I, I wrote another message on brokenness when the Lord spoke to me. And I know somebody's in this room and I don't know what you're dealing with. And I don't always say this, but whatever it is, I want you to know that you can take that shattered life. You can take those broken windows of your soul and you can let God start to restore that, start to repair that pain that's in your life. God is already at work doing his job. In your life. Will you let him do that? Will you allow him to take that brokenness. And just say. Here it is God. I'm learning from it. I'm going to. I'm going to take this. And for your glory. I'm going to change. And this morning before we get into the word. And we look at. The woman who gave. The most expensive thing she had. And then we look at the life of. Jacob and Esau. And we notice that in both of their lives, in the brokenness of their life, that God started working and miracles started taking place. But it wasn't until they came where, my little cliche, to the end of themselves, they got to the beginning of God. Let us pray. Father, we come to you this morning. Lord, thank you for this word. Thank you for a beautiful song that I can still hear 25 years ago about broken and spilled out. Lord, you are our most precious treasure.
Lord, help us to acknowledge that, to live our life as if we acknowledge and we realize that you are our most precious treasure. Lord, take our vial, take our lives, break us open, and may we be spilled out and used up for thee. Lord, hide me behind the cross. Bless your message today. And Lord, we just thank you and we praise you for all that you've done and you're going to do in the lives of people this morning. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Take your Bible, if you would, please, and turn to Genesis chapter 32. Genesis chapter 32. If you have a hard time finding that, that's Genesis. That's it. First book of the Bible. That's the Old Testament. Genesis 32. We already know the story of Jacob and Esau. And I'm not going to expound big on this, but I do want you to know that here was two brothers. Esau was favored by his father, and Jacob came in, and he wanted to steal the birthright. Isn't that amazing? Jealousy took place in his life. And so he got all he could, and he took all of that, stuck it on a can, put it in a can, sat on the can. He canned it all up, and it was all for him. Jealousy took place. So we see in the life of Jacob and Esau that his brother and he had odds with each other. So Jacob ends up fleeing for his life, and Esau, you know, he has to plead later on in the word of God and say, Esau, please Find favor with me. Here's what I'll give you. He wanted to pay him off. Doesn't that sound funny? But in between this story, Jacob and Laban, they end up coming to odds with each other because he leaves and he gets uh, together with one of his other relatives. And they both end up having odds. Come and find out. Isn't it amazing what sin's like? They're both identical. Conniving little snakes. Manipulators, liars, and deceivers. Does that sound like our old nature? It does. And so what does he do? Jacob takes off again. Isn't that money? Instead of, listen, come to grips with your brokenness. Come to grips with your sin and God will change you. We don't come to grips with our sin. We don't acknowledge it. If we acknowledge it, it means that it is sin. So let's run from it so God can't change us. This morning, did you come to church saying, I want to experience God? If you didn't, then why are you here? We're not here to play church. You are the church. We're here to grow. And just like Jacob, he became so self-consumed in the word that he lost perspective until that great moment in time. Let us look at Genesis 32, verses 11 through 16. Deliver me, I pray thee, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, lest he will come and smite me and the mother with the children. And thou saidst, I will surely do thee good and make the seed as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for the multitude. And he lodged there that same night and took of that which came to his hand a present for Esau his brother. 200 she-goats and 20 he-goats, 200 ewes and 20 rams, 30 milch camels with their colts, 40 kine and 10 bulls, 20 she-asses and 10 fowls. 
bowls. And he delivered them into the hand of his servants, every drove by themselves, and said unto his servants, Pass over before me and put a space betwixt drove and drove. Did we even talk like that today? Now over into the New King James Version. No, just kidding. Uh, what I want to say here is he already saw that he had a problem. But can, can I ask you a question? When you've been at the lowest in your life and you've been broken, what takes place? We start negotiating again, don't we? We start negotiating with God and say, Hey, God, if you'll just find favor with me right now, I will do A, B, C, D, E, F. And all of a sudden, God shows favor to you because you've gotten on your knees, you've prayed, and so he blesses you with A, B, C. Maybe not D, E, and F, but he blesses your life. So here he is. Jacob says, listen, I'm broken. I need your help. Would you help me? And then we go through the scriptures here, and I won't go through this because as I was preaching on the messages on reconciliation, I spoke on Jacob and Esau. You're probably familiar with uh, reconciliation there and how they uh, resolved uh, their issues because Jacob was, I don't want to say, Jacob, Jacob left and uh, again, but they left and nothing was ever said again. I believe that they forgave one another and said, move on. But here's what I want you to notice in the word of God. When you start to notice Jacob and Esau and their differences, you'll start to notice that God starts to do a work in his life. Now, he's already gone through all of these issues, all of these problems. And we notice in verse 25. And when he saw that the prevailed not against him, that he prevailed not, he touched the hollow of his thigh and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. Now, here's what's happening. If you go back to verse 24, he all of a sudden starts to wrestle with a man. How many of you know who that man is? Spirit of God. Okay, so he's wrestling with him, and all of a sudden, the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. And he said unto him, what is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel, which means prince with God. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with man and hast prevailed. And Jacob asked him and said, tell me, I pray thee, thy name. And he said, wherefore is that thou dost ask after my name? And he blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel. For I have seen God face to face and my life is Preserved. I'm going to just stop right there. So here we are. He gets to the lowest place of his life. And all of a sudden he starts wrestling with his spirit. Many of us can say, I don't know if I've ever wrestled with my spirit, but I believe that you have. We all see. Remember Tom and Jerry? He had the devil on this shoulder and the, the little angel on that shoulder. And he was like, do it. The other one's like, don't do it. That one says, do it. And I really believe that this is what was happening. happening. He was wrestling. And he came to the lowest place of his life. And God came down and revealed himself to Jacob. If you've never been to a place of brokenness, if you've never been to a place where you've experienced God's face, have you been broken? 
Or better yet, have you cried out to God? Have you called upon God? And when I look in the story of Jacob, I always think this, he had so much. He was a prince, as the Bible says. And yet he lost perspective. This morning, it doesn't matter what I have to say. What matters is what God's word has to say. I want to take a group of people, a group or a church, a community that's broken, and I want to see them healed. I say the church is a place for hurting people. Are we all hurting? No, but be very careful. I think we're all in a place where we have been broken. Let me give you a story. I remember as a, as a uh, young boy in my own life, and I guess serving the Lord as I've taken up his cross, I knew it would never be easy. But even as a child and serving the Lord, born again at nine, baptized at 13, you've heard me say it, uh, surrendered at 15 to preach the word of God. I knew right then that God was going to start doing stuff. But here's the thing that kind of amazed me. Why was it that serving the Lord was so difficult? You know, in eighth grade, I was president. I wanted to run for president of any club, every club. If there was a club, I wanted to be president of it. Back then, you just had to put your name up on the thing and go around and nominate. So I was just going to be president, so I became president. Vote for me! I want to be president! And uh, now today, I'm a pastor. It's both P's, I guess. But that's eighth grade. You know, so you're popular. All these kids vote for you. you, you you're with a group of people, and yet... It was during that eighth grade and freshman year, and some of you have heard the story, that God started to work in my life. Now, I'm going to tell you this because I'm going to back up just a little bit, something I've never, ever shared before. But it was during that time that I remembered my freshman and my sophomore year. Wait a minute. How did I go from president to pitiful? That's what I said in my head. How did I go from having all these friends to sitting at the lunchroom table by myself? Matter of fact, don't look his way. So that's how everybody kind of treated me. I'm thinking, what just that? Didn't I go to school here at the same school my whole lifetime? And yet, here's what would happen. I remember going home, the stellar business, distinguished young man that I was. Okay, not real. And oh, uh, thanks, sister. And uh, and weeping, crying. I was broken. What has happened, Mom? What has happened to my friends? What? They have forsaken me. Do you mean this is what my whole Christian life is going to be like? Forget it. And then God said, I died. Oh, it's you again. And so he says, it's not about you. Oh, but remember over here, God. I was the president, and they voted for me. But over here, that was the Lord. (laughs) But over here, God says, listen, here's who you truly are. You're my child. And until people see the face of God in your life, you're going to be a nobody. I remember my pastor, you know, as I was 
I would lead, I led a choir at the age of 15, and um, I, I just loved music, was always involved musically. But I remember the pastor always telling me, You are so arrogant. You are so proud and independent. You know, last night I sat in my office and I went, Okay, God, I think I heard you now. It's taken me 25 years to realize. Was I slightly independent? Oh, because my flesh over here was back to being president. But my spirit was back over here. What in the world is going on with this thing today? I don't know what it is. I've never heard that before. I don't know. But over here, my spirit was one that God says, hey, I want to use you. So he kept me broken. He kept me in a place where I had to surrender. Because you see, Todd Tackett's whole drive was, someday I'm going to be a president of a company. And I'm going to run that company. I used to draw pictures of this big, huge, massive house. And this is where I was going to live. And this is what I was going to do. And God said, oh, no, you're not. Guess what you're going to do? You're going to clean toilets the rest of your life. And you're going to preach the message. And if you're a guest here today, I own a janitorial custodial company. And so I clean toilets for a living. So I get to look down into dirty, nasty toilets and say, oh, Lord, it's hard to be humble. That's not really what I do. But, you know, so, it, hey, God has a sense of humor. And I think even here when I look into the word of God, David said, listen to what a doctor once said. The hip muscle is the strongest muscle in the human body, a muscle that a horse could not scarcely tear apart. Yet... This man with one touch pulled Jacob's hip out of joint and Jacob is now forever broken in the area of of his greatest strength. God said, Todd, if I allow you to keep going down the track you're going, you're going to be a train wreck. I wouldn't have my lovely wife today. I wouldn't have my beautiful four daughters today. And uh, thanks, honey. And, And reality is this. Who knows where I would be in a pit of vagabond, broke, because I wanted to do what I wanted to do. And God had to remind me, listen, you need to be broken. But I said, even now, God, this isn't, when you spoke to me, this isn't what I bargained for on this message spoke to me Wednesday night during praise team, and I said, okay, God, I'll preach on it. But I have to tell you, I think in all of our lives, we need to rejoice through our sufferings. Because all through Scripture, we've missed rejoicing through some of our suffering. Maybe if we would get our heart right with God, God could then do something in our life, and revival would take place in America. But we are so in control of whatever God has allowed us to have, that we can't see the blessing. Kind of hard to look through a cracked windshield, isn't it? But if we are broken and spilled out, then God can truly use us. I love what, what Chuck Swindoll said, and I'll, I'll quote that to you, but I want to say this. We must let God break our self-confidence. 
We must let God break us in those areas where we think we're strongest before he can make us truly strong in him. Here's what Chuck Swindoll once said. When God wants to use a man greatly, he must first hurt him deeply. Let me say it again. When God wants to use a man greatly, he must first hurt him deeply. And you go, Pastor, where are you going with this? Listen to just a couple stories from the word of God. Here's what it says. Before God used Moses to deliver his people out of Egypt, God had to put him on the backside of the desert, taking care of the sheep for how many years? Forty years. Before God used Isaiah, one of Israel's greatest prophets, he had to bring Isaiah to the point where he cried out, Woe is me! Before God used the great apostle Paul in the New Testament, he had to do what? He had to give him a thorn in the flesh. To keep him from becoming conceited. Paul says three times, I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. Even Christ's body had to be broken on the cross before the blessing of his salvation could come to a broken world. For sake of time, I'm going to jump over and, and not share this story with you, but I have to tell you this story that, that I shared with you. God had to put me in circumstances in the ministry to bring me to a place as a pastor to deal with all the hardship. My wife looks on Facebook this week and Another pastor's wife says, I'm just asking, how many of you pastor's wives have been hurt in the ministry? And so many of them, have. they all gave their story. It's not easy, folks, being a child of God. It's difficult, but yet it's rewarding. There's joy serving God. There's reward serving God. I love serving God. But I want you, when you go back through your chapters of your life and you look at those pages and when you see where there's brokenness, go back and identify the God stories in your life so that you can see God real. And if you've never cried out to God when you've been on your knees, then I have to ask you this question. Is he real to you? For when Moses continued to travel and journey... All he needed to do was get on his knees and cry out to God. This morning, many of us can say we have been broken. And many of us can say this morning that we live a life of misery. Why? Because you refuse to let God break you. They continue on their stubborn self-confidence, insisting that there's nothing really wrong and everything else is wrong. With everybody else. As a result, they're miserable people making everyone else around them miserable. So I say this morning, I don't want you to be that kind of person. I encourage you today to let God break you of your stubborn pride. For the Bible says the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. It says, oh God, you will not despise me. Psalms 51. Dear friends, if we want to be blessed and be a blessing to others, we must let God break us of our self-sufficiency. More than that, we must let God break us of our sin.
Here's what he said. Here's Jacob. He's broken. And now he says, now, dear Jacob, your name will no longer be that. You will be Israel. For people will see the face of God in you. This morning, do you want people to see the face of God in your life as a Christian? Are you just going through the motions? Are you saying, oh God, heal me today. Heal my marriage. Heal my relationship. Heal, heal my relationship between employer and as employee. Father, let me serve you. Lord, just break me open, spill me out. Let me be what I need to be for you. And so he says to Jacob, you are now going to be, and we're going to call this place, the face of God, and you are the prince of God. Isn't that, isn't that an honor? Are you thankful that you're the child of God? What a great privilege all of us have. He was broken. And so God used his brokenness. And that's why we must allow God to do for us. If we want to be blessed as well. We must allow God to break us of our sin. We must tell him who and what we really are. That what? We're liars, deceivers, sinners. Before he will give us a what? A new identity a new relationship with himself, and a new reputation. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. Romans chapter 3, verses 10 and 23. We're all sinners. But through Christ, he can rebuild our reputation, he can rebuild our relationship, and he can rebuild your identity, if you'll let him. Thank God for his power. I love what Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In other words, only those who admit their own spiritual poverty can enjoy the blessing of heaven, starting right now on earth. On the other hand, those who continue on their own sense of self-righteousness never experience that blessing. So today, I just want to ask all of you, if you will, go before the Lord and say, Lord, just use me. Use me where I'm at. Turn in your Bible, if you would, please, to Mark chapter 14, verses 3 through 9. Mark 14, 3 through 9. I want to talk about and just show you the song that I sung, and then we're going to finish with a song that I'm going to have you watch. And now we're going to make it personal to each and every one of us this morning. And then we're going to close. We all get to go home and enjoy our fellowship and living a Christ-like life. Here is the story of a precious lady who didn't have much, but who loved much. In verse 3 of Mark chapter 14, it says, And being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment, a spicknard, very precious, and she broke the box, and what did she do? She poured it on his head. And there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, why was this waste of the ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and have been given to the poor, and they murmured against her. And Jesus said, Let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She said, Hath wrought a good work on me. For you have the poor with you always, and whensoever you will, you may do them good, but me you have not always. 
She has done what she could. She has come aforehand to anoint my body to the bearing. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her, in remembrance of her. Turn with me back to Matthew chapter 26, 6 through 13. Matthew 26, 6 through 13. And here we see from another one of the gospels, Jesus is anointed again. Now, I'm going to to show this, and we're going to bring this all together in correlation. Now, when Jesus, in verse 6, was in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, there came unto him a woman having an alabaster box, a very precious ointment, and poured it on his head as he sat at meat. But when his disciples saw it, they had indignation, saying, To what purpose is this waste? For this ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. When Jesus understood it, he said unto them, Why trouble ye the woman? For she hath wrought a good work upon me. For ye have, have the poor always with you, but me have not always. For in that she hath poured this ointment on my body, she did it for my burial. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever the gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall also this, that this woman hath done, be told for a memorial of her. Okay, now we're going to stop before we go over to John. And then we'll conclude. Here's a lady who comes. We know the story of the, who, who was raised from the dead? Lazarus. We see the correlation. Mary and Martha. She comes. She pours out her ointment before him because she had a love for him. The disciples are there. And here's what the disciples are saying in their self-centeredness. Again, as they walk with Jesus. Here's what they're saying. Why would you Take that precious ointment and waste it. Well, hold hold on just a minute. Okay, time out, advertisement. Who did she pour the ointment on? Was it a waste? No, it wasn't a waste. She poured that ointment on Jesus. So he said, hold on just a minute. One, she's acknowledging who I am, the Son of God. And that ointment was also used during a time of burial. So she recognized his death. That's what I love about the story of the alabaster box. And so right then, he allowed the disciples to see this. But yet Judas was the treasurer of the ministry team called the Special Twelve. And yet here he was saying, hey, what are you doing, lady? Why are you using all of that ointment on him? Couldn't we better use it somewhere else? Isn't that, isn't that kind of bizarre when Jesus is always about the ministry, about the poor, about people? But here's what he was trying to teach his disciples. He said, listen, let's do this as a remembrance of who I am. For someday you will remember. And the same selfish, self-centered individual, Judas, sold him for how many pieces of silver? 30. So he took, as the treasurer decided, yeah, that's what I'm going to do, because he was coveting right from the beginning. So now let's turn over to uh, John chapter 12. That's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John chapter 12, verses 1 through 11. John 12. Verses 1 through 11. And here's the story as it's broke down. Then Jesus 
Six days before the Passover came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Then took Mary a pound of ointment. That's a lot of ointment. That was a greasy mess. That's all I ever think when I think of this story. Wow. It just... They need a cleaning company going to clean that up afterwards. Very costly and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair, showing a, an act of humility and of love. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Then said one, saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him. There it is. Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? A year's wage? Look, can you imagine what a year's wage would do? Don't give it to him. Listen, I know I'm one of his 12 disciples. I didn't choose him. He chose me. Isn't that sad? Boy, that's the story of so many of us. And so here he is thinking about the money, thinking about himself. And and yet he says, hey, don't waste your year's wage. And here's what took place. Then he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had that bag and bare what was put therein. Then said Jesus, let her alone against the day of my bearing. Has she kept this? For the poor always ye have with you, but me ye have not always. I won't be with you forever, but you'll always have poor among you. What is it that you're doing to minister to them? Let her go ahead. And and how humbling for Jesus to think that at this moment in her life, she gave everything she had. Everything. So much people of the Jews therefore knew that he was there, and they came not for Jesus' sake only, that they might see Lazarus also, whom he had raised from the dead. But the chief priests consulted that they might put Lazarus also to death, because that by reason of him, many of the Jews went away and believed on Jesus. Now I'm going to turn it around just as I conclude. We've talked about the life of Jacob and all the hardship that he went through. He was broken. The face of God showed up. He added a little bit of pressure to his hip socket, made him a slightly uncomfortable. So he came to a place where he said, God, I need you. I need you every hour. I need you. So we see the life of him. And then God says, here's what we're going to do still to this place. Many of the Jewish people, they go by this place, and there's about a thousand people that live near the area where he wrestled with the Spirit of God. And it's always acknowledged as the place, the face of God. And now it's an Arab, Arab city, Arab town, however you want it, a little village. But I want to say this, then we move over to the woman with the alabaster box. I had asked myself this question. If I were that vile, If I even were her, would I have given all I had to God? No, we wrestle with him. For we go right back here to my story in the very beginning. Lord, don't you see who I am? Remember, I got my giftings from you. And he says, Todd, you're nothing without me. You will be nothing without me. You are nothing without me. And so he's put me through one bit of hardship after another, after another. And Satan sits back and he laughs and he giggles. And he has a great day saying, you know what? I have to tell you, 
this is awesome. I hope that pastor quits. I hope he becomes the, the, the worst example to his family because, see, he can only handle so much suffering. I sat in my study last evening, and as I was reading over these stories and I was looking at some of these, I thought, wow, I could, the whole Bible is all about brokenness, but my life needs to be broken and spilled out for him. We can sing a song broken and spilled out. We could talk about Mary's alabaster box. And she brought everything she had and poured it out. A whole year's wage. So I challenge all of you. Give your whole paycheck this year. Let's see what God will get. Oh, pastor. This just changed the mood of the whole sanctuary. We're not giving all we have. How would we eat? I don't know. How would we get to work? I don't know. But there is one thing I do know that is more important. God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. Isn't it, isn't it something? Where's our faith? And yet she comes at the feet of Jesus. She kneels down and she pours out that vial. All that she has. And remember, did you hear me say in the very beginning that when you give of your perfume, you give of that valuable essence that was because it was betrothal. And here's what she said. Betrothal means a connection through union, through marriage. In the scriptures, as we know with Mary and Joseph, they were betrothed between the two. And, uh, and yet, here's what she said. I want to be solely dedicated to you. This is my life. And how awesome. How humbling. So I ask you this morning. We've looked through the scriptures. We've seen brokenness. You've seen brokenness in the life of your pastor. I have faced some hardship. But yet through it all. I have seen. Some of the greatest blessings. I, I have to tell you. To see and to feel the presence. And the power of God. To know that he has blessed this church. From a deck to a building. In nine years. That's because of the faith. Of the people of New Hope. Now, it's our responsibility to remember and to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. Luke, go ahead and play this song. And we, in, in a time of thinking and meditation, as we close, watch this song. And it moves me every time I hear it. And it's truly the story about all of us. Would we give our all to him? Listen closely.
I hope you were able to see the visual of what she gave. You don't know the cost of her giving of her life. Are you thankful you're forgiven? You're under the blood. Praise the Lord for his grace. Let us all stand. And as the praise team comes, and we just have a time of reflection, you're forgiven from what? Forgiven from your sins. And today I ask you a question. Has there been a time in your life where you've been broken and where you just need to come to God and say, God, today I'm just broken and I need your blessings in my life. Maybe God's been pulling on your heartstrings and saying, today I need to surrender. I need to give my all to him. Has been God calling you into ministry? Has, been God, has he been calling you to do his work? Father, we thank you so much for your love. Father, we've come before you broken. You were broken and spilled out for us, but Lord, can we just be broken and spilled out for you? Lord, help us to come just as we are in our sinful state. Lord, heal us. Put those pieces back together so that we can live the rest of our life in victory. Father, thank you for your word this morning. And Father, may we come just as we are. In your name we pray. Amen. Sing with us if you would, please. So, Lord, speak in your heart. The invitation is open for you. If you want to pray where you're at, take a moment and just enjoy the sweet fellowship with the Lord. Just as you
praise the Lord. If you'll continue to be in prayer as there's still some that are at the altar and as the music continues to play. Be in an attitude of prayer this morning. Weak and wounded sinner Lost and left to die Oh, raise your head for love is passing by Come to Jesus, come to Jesus, come to Jesus, and live. Now your burden's lifted and carried far away, and precious blood has washed away the stain. So sing to Jesus, sing to Jesus. Maybe you can look back in your life and say, I remember the day I came here, Jesus Christ, as my Lord and Savior. I hope you can look back over the chapters of your life and say, I broke my base, and I gave up, and I'm still living my all for Him. And if you're not, maybe be encouraged today to be like lady with the alabaster box. So fall on Jesus. Break it open and give our lives solely for Him. For He gave His all for us. Just call on Jesus. He hears you. If the ushers will please come. Sometimes the way is lonely is still fulfilled. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for your words today, Lord. Thank you for the message that was spoken today. Father, for that person that needed to hear it, whoever it might be, that you would help them to be strong and to grab hold of your hand. Lord, we just humbly come before you as we get ready to prepare our gifts to give up to you to further your kingdom. Lord, may you bless the gift as well as the giver. We ask this all in your precious and holy name. Amen. You may be seated. Lord, cures of our addiction, waiting for the next season of life to think we're good enough.
the Thanksgiving. I'm three months thankful for where I'm living right now. I'm 45 days thankful for my life now. Show us how we have room in our lives to give you thanks right now. I'm three weeks thankful that I have a job to provide for my family. I'm one day thankful for the gift of now. In everything, give thanks. Let us all stand as we're dismissed today. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May give you his peace. May you be broken and spilled out and used up for him. God bless all of you. John, if you'll please dismiss us in prayer.